Hi, welcome to Little Pieces Club Ministries podcast. My name is Chris Polad. I'm known as Mr. Chris to the kids at Little Pieces Club Small Groups. I'm a Bible nerd, a child of divorce, an author, and I created Little Pieces Club Ministries around the idea that when our hearts break, God can still make works of art from the broken pieces. I run small groups for children and teens and consult with and support parents. I also give lectures and seminars on request. The content centers around the science of adversity, abuse and neglect, or ACE science, and how biblical design patterns harmonize with it. We are non-doctrinal and base our teachings on uh, biblical scholarship. And along the way of this path, I discovered that Jesus' story, wrapped in the design patterns of the Good Shepherd and Tree of Life, help us process, grieve, forgive, and reintegrate our souls after trauma and relational toxicity. This helps us grow strong in solitude and community and leading us and helps us love God, self, and others, which happen to be the most important blessings we can experience and give. The podcast is geared to help parents understand their children's point of view and to be a good shepherd and tree of life through the hard times. I've started a new series of short videos called God Questions in Context with Dr. Chris. I tweet this out and share it on Instagram, and it can be found on our YouTube channel. You can connect with us at www.littlepiecesclub.com. You can send us an email at littlepiecesministries at gmail.com, and then follow us on socials at um, LPC Ministries for Instagram, at Club Pieces on Twitter, and at Little Pieces Club on TikTok. We also have a YouTube video uh, channel uh, to look at all of our small groups and the videos that accompany the podcasts. We also have a Facebook site as well. So now let's get into the uh, this week's episode. This week marks our third part of our Parent FAQs series and uh, is Season 2, Episode 11. As we've been saying with each one of these podcasts, context matters. So we need to look at the context of the greater family, the um, immediate family, and then also our modern and ancient contexts. So as I always say with Little Pieces Ministries, we're committed to uncovering the synergy between modern adversity science and deep biblical design patterns that help us handle the adversity in life. And and the design patterns that we focus on are uh, the Good Shepherd and the Tree of Life. And this helps us, um, or reminds us that uh, we kind of go through life as lost sheep who are then rescued by Jesus And then we can become trees of life. And along that way, there are certain skills that we can um, use to help us. And then in a a slide that I uh, often throw in here, um, grief and forgiveness is sort of uh, central in our suffering as we go through life. So that we uh, can overcome shame that we feel and realize that we're never alone. And we have multiple skills that we talk about in LPC that are broken into the private Christian journey 
and the public Christian journey. That's not an exhaustive uh, list by any means, but things that I've uncovered over the years that um, help us uh, live and thrive. And then lastly, uh, we also keep in mind the idea of attachment. And this is the deep uh, emotional bond that we make with other people. And the attachment can be, uh, the classic attachments that we deal with um, are either secure or insecure. And I think using the Good Shepherd concept, there's actually a, um, a wise attachment. And that is having the ability to discern who are safe and unsafe people, and then being able to make good emotional bonds with those people. Because wrapped up in the Good Shepherd concept is the ability to discern bad sheep and bad shepherds and good sheep and good shepherds. And so um, some grow up with secure attachment, and this could um, honestly be a little bit unsafe in the ability to think that everyone is safe to attach to. Um, but then for the insecure attachments, um, you also kind of run the risk of the other side, which is you don't attach to anybody, and so you can never feel fully in community. So those are the things that are kind of rolling around as we um, enter into this specific uh, case that we're going to talk about today. So I was walking with a mom several years ago um, who had recently filed for divorce, and she was then dealing with her um, 13-year-old son being violent towards her. And so she wondered what to do. So we are going to break down the various steps of this case and hopefully see a little bit of universal wisdom uh, there um, to, uh, to help, um, help us through the rest of this. So if you have a violent child, the first thing that we have to think about is what to do in the moment. And of course, personal safety for parents and children, the other children in the home is, is important. So get to safety and if need be, um, in a locked room. And uh, what this does is it, number one, protects you. But also, if something about you is triggering this um, violent outburst, uh, if you get out of sight, they may remit and calm down. And uh, try to make sure that you have a phone with you if you have to lock yourself in a room. And then be able to call for help with either a trusted, reliable friend, um, the ex-spouse may, may need to come over um, if, uh, if you're at a place in the relationship where you can trust them to take care of this, or if it is severe enough, you may need to call 911 uh, to have the uh, police step in to help de-escalate things. Um, you know, and uh, if you do know of like local, you know, what's going on with local policing, they are embedding social workers more and more in, um, in uh, their responses. 
So um, it may be a, a quick way to have a social worker on the scene if your police off, uh, if your uh, police department um, is doing that type of thing. And then a little bit out of the safety, um, uh, the safety situation is uh, called respite care. Sometimes kids in the divorce setting are just so distraught that they really don't feel safe with either parent. And so um, some, uh, there is uh, something called respite care uh, where the kids can spend a night or two not in an institution, um, but in a, a place that is uh, specifically designed to give them uh, respite care. And this does um, kind of dovetail a bit with the idea of Sabbath. Um, so it's not completely out of the ancient wisdom tradition either. Okay, so once you're out of the immediate situation, um, I kind of encourage you to think about um, Stephen Covey's habit of seek first to understand and then to be understood. And I tend to remind adults in this situation that you, you are the adult. So you have had a child who has become violent. And yes, I absolutely know that that's going to be um, very, very upsetting. Um, but you have to kind of pivot very quickly uh, once you're safe to the questions about why did this happen? And this, of course, comes with context. So once the acute situation is dealt with, and by the way, violence is not okay, um, what we're doing with this podcast is deconstructing the violence to find a way to deal with it. And eventually the messaging um, moving forward will be that we need to avoid the violence because of all of the problems that it causes. Um, so not uh, I, even though I'm sort of getting into the mindset of what's going on with the children, um, don't mistake this for the fact that violence is not okay. So seeing things from the, uh, the eyes of the child in no way justifies the, the violence at all. And so we'll get um, uh, to planning for the future and coming up with different tools in the psychological toolbox for working through the triggers to the anger. Um, so what, what might help is to remind yourself that if a child has gone to um, uh, this much uh, anger that has uh, caused violence against someone in the family, that very, very likely that underneath all of that is a very hurt and ashamed child. And this is no matter how big a teenager they've become. Um, just, uh, just be very curious and investigate what could be driving the hurt and the shame. So in divorces with parents running very high and living situations changing, it's very difficult to get out of your own head for a moment, but hopefully this podcast will allow you to uh, form a structure about how to do that. And so one of the things that I want you to do is to think back over the course of the child's life. How much anger and perhaps violence has he witnessed? And this is going to come in the, the um, verbal uh, fights or some type of um, uh, reaction that he might have seen from one or both parents. 
And so this is a time for honesty and not wishful thinking. So don't impulsively and reflexively just say, well, I don't think anything, but really, really think back and admit to yourself if he has witnessed one or both parents being either verbally or physically abusive. And so even with a shut door, if there was yelling and loud thumps and maybe bruises, um, that this is exposure to anger and violence and thus has primed him to speak, so to speak, with a voice of anger and violence. The next thing you want to think about is who is driving the divorce? Is it mom or dad? And in the situation that uh, we're talking about today, the mom, uh, as I said, had filed for divorce. And so in a very simple way, no matter the reason for the divorce, because that's tied up into kind of complicated adult thinking, um, the parent who is filing for divorce might be initially blamed by the child and that then um, uh, kind of drives some of the anger that you may be seeing. Um, and also remember that anger is part of the grieving process. And uh, one of the things that we talk about often and is running in the background is kids need to be led through the grieving process. Um, and so that's an aspect of being a good shepherd uh, for your children is to allow for that um, emotional grieving. And a, a little word about that is I've just met a family uh, in my clinical practice that um, has gone through a divorce. And it's very, very clear, however, that the teenage uh, daughter in this case um, has been able to process the divorce at a, a left brain verbal level, but at an emotional level, there has been absolutely no grief. As a matter of fact, there's been a lot that's happened that has been sort of shocking to her, and um, she's really just in survival mode. And so um, realize that kids can verbally tell you things about the divorce but you really have to step back and ask yourself, has there been emotional grieving? And that is working through the shock, the anger, the fear, then um, having that flip into sadness, questioning, bargaining, um, and then acceptance, and then determining if that acceptance is bitter um, or if that acceptance is healing. And then beyond that, thriving and then growing much stronger. So remember, that is also possibly going on if a child is showing a lot of anger. So then um, more context that we need to look at is what about medical issues? Uh, and that also means uh, mental health issues. So does your child have ADHD, um, some type of impulsivity? And then are their medications optimized? And then have they been taking them? What's the level of uh, supervision? And uh, has, has that played a role as well? And then do you have a develop, uh, developmentally normal child? Are they typically good at expressing themselves and then connecting uh, their behaviors with emotions? 
is this anger and violence really out of character for them? Um, so those are some things that you really um, want to look at as well as you're trying to sort out what's going on with your kiddo. So as you um, begin to problem solve uh, what's going on, um, I, I really encourage you to check your own mindset and realize that connection-based parenting is not a kind of um, just a, a, a all-nurture type, um, type situation. Um, it is a uh, situation where the parents are the leaders, and but that is not done in win-lose or lose-win fashion. It's a win-win type of leadership where the parent is um, the captain of the ship, but there's always a win for the child. And that means that child feels known and valued even if they have done something like uh, have a violent outburst. So are you in a mindset that is patient and kind and able to set boundaries uh, that you need to? And so all of the context questions that we just went over should generate a lot of curiosity in your mind. But if um, the uh, children have experienced a lot of win-lose type parenting, whereas if you know you detect something is off and then you uh, get very emotional and raise a voice and sort of um, uh, come, come across very strong to them, then they are going to be in sort of a lose-win mindset and just kind of be waiting for the danger to pass. And that's not a great situation for them to be open and honest about what's really going on. And if, if you come to the conclusion that that has been the dynamic in the family for quite a while, then a therapist, a uh, family therapist in particular, is going to be very helpful at bridging that gap um, in, in terms of pivoting the parenting style into a connection-based parenting style. Um, and by the way, don't feel bad. Um, many This is one of the ways that intergenerational trauma gets passed down um, in, in families is through win-lose parenting. And so it is a very tough skill to learn uh, connection-based parenting, uh, especially in the midst of a divorce situation where um, chaos has just uh, sort of taken over uh, in, in some cases. Um, <clears throat> so uh, just remember again that you are going to try to be this connection-based parent, this leader, this win-win, patient and kind parent, who is trying to get a sense of the pain, the hurt, the shame that's underlying a lot of this violence. And so if you are in a mindset where you can then feel the compassion and then balance it properly with boundaries that protect you and other people in the home, you are very much ready uh, to take the next step and begin to, um, uh, begin to address this with your kiddo. And so what I'm trying to say, and, you know, once you kind of approach the kids and um, after this type of thing, if things are calmed down, um, you, I, I'm giving you fair warning that you may encounter resistance, especially if that situation of win-lose parenting 
has been uh, been in place, the because I said so type of parenting. And so remember that you cannot talk your way out of things that you behaved your way into. So it is going to take a while for the kids to get a sense of what um, this new connection-based parenting that you're trying to, to work on. And so, um, like I said, uh, it's understandable and very common in homes that parents get into a very win-lose mindset. Um, but let's kind of quickly go over parenting strategies. And the first is authoritative. And this is this proper balance of nurture and structure and supervision. And it's very sensitive to the heart of the child and balances their needs for standards and to facilitate relationships in the home. But chances are in a divorce situation, the um, things have been less than healthy and um, there might be a combination of um, close and chaotic, which is sort of very little structure and an awful lot of nurture, but then um, a lot of high emotions. Um, so that's one form of parenting. Then you have a um, overly structured parenting. So that's going to be kind of the my way or the highway parenting, and that's um, authoritarian. And then you have sort of distant, where the parents kind of stay, they keep their distance from the kids where the kids feel like that they're not known and valued, um, but then they have a lot of rules that they must deal with. So um, there's blends of these parenting styles out there. Um, and it, it, if the kids have experienced some of these non-ideal parenting styles, they're going to be particularly hesitant to give um, vulnerable details about how they're feeling when violence has cropped up. So what do you do? Well, if you have a general sense of this idea that this win-lose parenting style has been there, when you're trying to pivot <clears throat> into a new win-win connection-based parenting style, it's okay to apologize for things that you've done in the past. Um, maybe I have not always listened to you properly um, you've not had a chance to express yourself safely, and I really am trying to change, and I really apologize for making you feel that way um, for so many years. And so I'd really, I'm trying to learn this new connection-based parenting, and um, it's going to uh, hopefully allow you to feel more known and safe to discuss what it is that you need to, to feel like. So I'm, I'm hoping we can start now and realize that, um, you know, what just happened uh, really tells me that you have a lot of strong emotions. And so um, let's kind of move forward in the further kind of scripting of what to say in this type of a situation. So I'm just going to go through a bit of a script here. And remember, we have a 13-year-old boy who has just had a violent outburst. Um, we've had to lock ourselves in a room while he calmed down. And um, now things are a little bit more calm. We didn't have, in this case, we have not had to call the police. And then um, here's, here's a, a sample script. And anytime I do this, um, please realize that you can make this your own. 
So, um, buddy, there was a lot of emotion there. I, I just want you to know that I'm not mad. I'm very concerned. And I, I really want to understand these emotions so we can move forward together. I love you and I'm not going anywhere. So please just help me understand the pictures and feelings that led up to this. And it's okay if you're blaming me for the divorce. That's really natural and understandable. And it's okay to be blaming me for a lot of other things. So just help me understand what's going on and the different aspects of this that that triggered you, okay? So let's let's break down, you know, um, that script that I just uh, talked to you. And so the first part is, wow, there's a lot of emotion here. And so this is a very non-judgmental way to acknowledge um, that emotion. And a lot of kids, if something like this has happened, they are now, they've just compounded their shame. They understand that they just had a blow up and that they've probably hurt you or done something else. So to reassure them that you're not just sitting there angry, um, but to properly frame how you're feeling and the fact that you're very concerned um, and that you're more curious than judgmental, that this phase of things requires you um, to be curious because if they detect that you're going to just use what they say and then start lecturing them, they're going to um, they're going to clam up. And so when we look at so we can move forward together. Again, that's implying this idea of win-win. They obviously have a lot on their heart that they need to get out, and you want to be able to guide them through that. Um, and realize, though, in some cases that you may not be the adult that can do that. Um, so that's where uh, therapy and family therapy um, is uh, very, very important. Reminding them that you love them, um, that your love for them will not change no matter what, even if they're violent or anything like that, and that you're not going anywhere. Okay. So again, uh, you're asking them to help you understand what uh, feelings led up to this. And then um, they may be very, and it's okay to kind of prompt them, they may be very uh, stuck in the fact that they are blaming you for the divorce or other things that have happened. And um, it's okay to acknowledge that for them because it lets them know that they can say that and um, hopefully you won't get um, uh you won't get um, uh, more upset by that. That's one of their biggest fears, especially in divorce, is to um, add on to your emotional burden. And that's why um, you really have to be kind of in a, a healthy space to do this. And so remember, checking your mindset is helping um, to determine if you are the best person to help them through this or not. And if they're, if it's not you, Hopefully it's a trusted, neutral party, uh, like a parent or grandparent for them or something like that. And then you can acknowledge that you're guessing. You do not, even though you're kind of trying to, um, you know, guess about uh, what they might be upset about, um, you want to acknowledge the fact that they may have other thoughts and feelings and that those are okay. 
and that you're relying on them to bring forth what it is that they're feeling, okay? So what if after this, they still don't talk? Um, without being upset or angry, um, connection-based parenting ideally says to permit the silence, but you can stay in the same room. So in other words, you can express your desire to speak, but allow this on their time. So this is, again, you showing dignity for their ability to um, to, cra- uh, to craft the conversation. Um, so ideally, if you guys could stay in the same room and say, you know what, if you need to be silent for a little while, that's okay. Um, and if they ask to go to their room, I would allow this, but um, try to do it without media um, that will give them unhelpful distractions. Now, this is a double-edged sword. Um, Social media might actually be how they can calm down and process when they're checking their Snapchats or um, their Instagrams or TikTok videos or something like that. It is a way for them to kind of like de-stress for a little bit. But if they've had a history of using um, their media poorly, um, you have to take that into account. Because the last thing that you really want to do in a crisis is to remove kids from some of their social supports. Um, So encourage them to like read a book as opposed to being on um, just mindless social media. But remember that it is a connection to their friends. And they may need that to help um, to help them process. So it just depends on how you guys have dealt with social media in the past. But it it might also be a mixed message if you are trying to build a connection with them, but then taking away their phone at the same time might feel like that harsh win lose type punishment. So um, just balance the use of that social media very very cautiously. So remember with connection-based parenting that you're, uh, that you're balancing nurture with structure. And that structure means that you're, you as a leader have determined what's, what's coming next. Um, and it, it relies on your ability to do that. And remember, if they ask for something, realize that they are trying to advocate for themselves. And if they ask for something that seems really out of, out of like logically doesn't make sense, just ask them to help it help you make sense of it. So how does this help the situation? I just, I want to understand if they want to go outside for a walk or something like that. But um, always maintain this idea of being curious. And so uh, realize that they are not going to be great at advocating for themselves for a while. So that's where the, the extreme patience comes in. And uh, I really just like this. Help me understand how uh, this helps you. And so that's um, different than this kind of like, you're making a terrible demand and I don't understand it. You know, just kind of realize how you come out. So if at all possible, accommodate what they're asking. But you can also share their feelings without making it a power play. Um, In our particular case, this child, when things were becoming men, uh, when things were being mended, um, mom wanted them to eat together at the table. She could see that that was good for their connection. Well, he wanted to eat in his room. And my advice to her at that time was, go ahead and let him eat in his room. 
but you can also say, um, look, it's, it's totally okay for you to eat in your room. I understand where you're coming from. I would, um, I, I see us eating together at the table as something that is helpful and brings us together. But for now, it's okay for you to eat in your room. So she was giving him permission, being the leader, and allowing him to eat in his room, but sharing her good intention for the table. And after a few minutes, he actually came down and joined them at the table. So sometimes you just need to let the air out of their kind of this rebellious, I need to um, do it my way kind of thing. And that understanding, that um, giving someone a sense that they're known and understood is very, very important in all of this. And so um, balancing the listening and granting the request helps them uh, feel this uh, being supported and known. And that's what helps fight the shame and allows them to kind of progress through this um, anger, shock, fear, Um, part of their grief and expectational grieving and get it into the parasympathetic sadness, questioning, um, bargaining, so so to speak. Uh, And so her gentle direction that um, she wanted him to come back to the table, but was very much understanding his need to be by himself, um, that was crucial. So however the situation um, uh, arises in your own home, realize that that is is an okay thing to do. So the closing comments on our child today is that he had experienced some time in respite care. And after we put a lot of these principles into place and mom started to see kind of a rapid improvement in his behavior, including he um, plays music and kind of invited her in to hear the music that he's been playing she really began to feel the connection with him again. And um, once she had processed a lot of things, she said, you mean I just need to be Jesus to my my children? And the, the, the quick answer was, yes, of course. And remember that Jesus, as the good shepherd, goes to rescue the lost sheep, and they know his voice, and they will respond to it. Um, And that voice is a loving voice. And remember, the first two words that describe love are patient and kind. And then the good shepherd will pick up the sheep and to carry them on the path back towards safety. Um, So we remember that the children, they process the divorce differently than the parents do. And they eventually will come to see it, probably as you do, but remember that their, um, that their processing of it is going to be different. And it's important to be curious about how they're processing it. And you don't have to disagree with them in the moment. You can just be aware of how they're seeing something and then plan how to respond later. That's totally okay. So in journal time... Um, Remember that that journal is a private place to lament and vent about the divorce and things that are happening, um, including children that are um, having uh, really tough emotional responses. So here are some prompts that I want you to think about 
when it comes to the journaling. So first one is, although I wish it was different, my child or children experienced blank during the marriage and then even after during the divorce. And so this is the blank is any negative interaction patterns that they saw frequently between the parents. And this could be um, silence or this could be um, uh, this could be uh, fighting and violence and something like that. And then we can overcome these things with curiosity, patience, kindness, structure, routines, and fun. So the next journal prompt is journal with a win-win mindset, a realistic picture of how the home will function. Like what are the routines? What are the, uh, are you going to have family meetings, which I encourage? And um, what are the basic blessings for the homes? Not the commandments for the homes, but how do we treat one another? And that means that we can give ourselves solitude. We can give ourselves some time to process on our own, but then we also need to process together in community. So take your journal time to kind of look at the past, but then also to um, to uh, plan for the future. All right, so for our Lectio for today um, is going to be Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And so as I, re- I read that through, um, the meditation that I have for parents is, how are you going to become peacemakers? How are you going to learn deeper and more um, robust skills for being a peacemaker? And that starts with your children. And so hopefully you've seen that the connection-based parenting where um, you humbly kind of um, listen to them and try to leave this kind of win-lose parenting style, if that's been one that you've been using behind and um, adopt more of a patient, kind, listening um, type of of structure. So um, we're going to focus on the words here, blessed are the peacemakers, and uh, they will be then connected to God. So I'm going to read this through the second time um, and then reflect on how this will specifically relate to you moving forward uh, in the divorce. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And, um, you know, feel free as we're going through Lectio to pause at each reading um, to see how you're going to respond internally. So, Visualize um, a few ways that you can be a better uh, peacemaker, and uh, that might include advocating for yourself better, um, for uh, creating win-wins, and that includes wins for you as well. Sometimes parents are actually trapped in a lose-win where you're not winning at all. So this third reading through, how is... um, How are you going to respond to becoming a peacemaker? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And then once you have it fully in your mind on how you are going to be a peacemaker, rest now as I read it the fourth time through, like someone who is just sitting down and laying laying with God, looking up at the sky, feeling the sun. 
So blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. So uh, thank you again for joining us for one of our episodes. And I hope um, this gives you um, some ways to process and think through the dynamics that have been set up in the home, uh, both before and after the divorce. And as always, um, I, I would love in your comments to give me more questions uh, so that I can um, plan future episodes and make sure that they are, um, uh, that they are uh, impactful for the situations that you are dealing with. So, dear Heavenly Father, despite our chaos, Lord, we know you are in control. We are so blessed that you are our good shepherd and tree of life. Thank you for giving us your wisdom and love so that we can in turn give them to our children. We see your patience and kindness, and we seek to live this out for our children. And when they are impatient and use strong language or even violence, help us see past their words to their hearts and see that they are just trying to survive. Help us speak to our lost sheep so that they can hear and trust us like we trust you, so that they will heed our words and advice and encouragement. Grant us the wisdom to balance love for you, for them, and ourselves. Help us spot parental alienation syndrome and make us aware, if we have been part of it, that we can um, end it. Help us apologize to our children and be better shepherds and trees of life for them. Seeing our humanity and flaws is okay and watching us struggle and will help them grow and do the same. So keep us safe, Lord. Help us handle stressful situations with grace and walk with us as we reconnect with our children after rough, angry patches. Help us fix our eyes on building a better future for our children with your help walking alongside us as it should have been from the beginning. Help fix us to the hope rather than the shame that we naturally fight. Lord, you are the reason we hope. Your wisdom and love move mountains and our ears are open to you, Lord. Grant us the wisdom to raise our children as trees of life and good shepherds. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for spending time with Little Pieces Club Ministries. Like I said, send us questions and please have a blessed week.